1: welcome to nature back podcast where we are talking uh, with entrepreneurs and investors about the green future today my guest is an author and uh, digital nomad uh, danny flood danny tell Mm -hmm. us in a few words what is a digital nomad how did you end up living on the road
0: yeah sure so first of all, thank you for asking. Um, I started as a nomad about 15 years ago, around 2008, probably last year of university. And um, like many others, I read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek around that time. Uh, I kind of had like an existential crisis where uh, after university, I had to face the prospect of 40 years in a cubicle, which wasn't very attractive to me. So uh, I set out to forge my own path. And um, I'm from San Diego, California, which is a very nice place. Um, but I, I started taking trips south of the border to to Mexico. I started living uh, in another culture where I didn't really speak the language. I, I picked up Spanish pretty quickly. Um, but I, I learned for the first time how to uh, take a bath with a bucket of water, you know, for example. And um, if I wanted to, to have a hot bath, I would... Uh, heat it up on the stove and then, you know, use a pail to, to bathe it over my head. And, and so now, <laughs> uh, 15 years later and my lifestyle hasn't changed very much. I've been around uh, 40 countries or so and five continents. Um, and now I'm in Pokal, uh, Pokhara, Nepal. And, I uh, just took a, a bath in a, in a waterfall about an hour ago. So, <laughs> um, I guess you wanted to. Ask, you asked me how did I get started, right? Or was that yes. a good introduction? You wanted yes. to know more about the business side of things.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, also you you know, starting starting as a nomad in the university. What's wh- what? do you do to make a living? I mean, uh, we would all be happy to travel around the world and see beautiful places, but you somehow have to make the have to you know sustain that uh, lifestyle. Uh
0: yeah, well I mean I learned from a lot of the Greeks. Stoic philosophers that, um, you know, if you want to be wealthier, part of the equation is uh, reducing the number of things that you want, the number of things that you need. So um, I think a big part of it was becoming a minimalist. Um, and, you know, I have nothing except uh, what fits in a carry-on bag and my backpack. So basically my, my laptop, my phone, uh, and a bundle of clothes. And, you know, if, if you know the 80-20 rule, I mean, you, you probably wear like four or five pairs of clothes like, of the time, at least, you know, so it's been a very like simple lifestyle, um, but also fun and profitable and basically doing what I want. Um, in the early days, I I had a car and a surfboard, so I had a little bit more. And so, um, I I would drive around and take road trips, like around Mexico. I, I also, um, traveled across Mexico on a bicycle and I've, I've traveled a whole bunch of countries on a motorcycle as well. Um, you know, with just the same kind of, uh, luggage you know just a single pack in my backpack um i've I've traveled across thailand and vietnam on a motorcycle for example I've, i've hitchhiked across india um a lot of adventures like this and so um i i think that you know when when you want less you also become wealthier i think that's that's part of the equation i i think that in the u.s um we're kind of taught we're kind of indoctrinated to be locked into this system of debt and everything where we get like $200,000 of student loans, you know, when we're 20 years old that we can't afford to pay off and car payments and phone payments. And so, um, I just kind of decided that I want to do away with all of that stuff. And that's kind of, um, when I booked my first one-way ticket, it was to South America and I was living in Buenos Aires and kind of figuring everything out there. I, I studied tango dancing and, um, I was doing marketing services. I was doing like freelance marketing for clients back then. I had a marketing agency, um, and I had clients back in the U S. Um, and I, have tried a whole bunch of stuff these last 14 years. So it depends on how much time you got. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess the thing is I'm the kind of guy that I, I wake up every morning and I'm just like, I forget about the past. I'm just like ready to do whatever's I want to do today you know so it's like mm. if I fail at something yesterday I'm just going to get up and try something new to today yeah. you know it's just, I just keep tinkering at stuff <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, these days what would you say what's your kind of core what What makes you in addition to you know seeing new places what makes you tick uh, professionally
0: what makes me tick professionally yeah um well that's a good question uh, uh I think as, as entrepreneurs and founders, I mean, a lot of us have like kind of HD to HD and, and kind of, we want to do what's interesting to us. And sometimes we mm-hmm. start something with a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and uh, then we kind of lose interest after a while. And I, am cer- certainly uh, guilty of that uh, myself, which is why I've, I've really tried hard to create systems in my business. And um, I really got into growth hacking about uh, several years ago, probably seven, eight years ago. And, and, um, I've really worked to create lifestyle businesses that I only have to work like a couple hours a day, maybe. Um, and this was no exception. When I started a growth hacking uh, business, um, I was, we had like 60 Instagram accounts that we were managing for clients. And um, I was able to automate a lot of the, the processes and the work. So um, I'm really passionate about automation and technology and artificial intelligence. I, I, um, have a course website where I teach a lot of this stuff called the School of Growth Hacking, um, where we show everything that we do in our businesses, the, the growth hacking side of things. We also have courses on um, viral content marketing and public relations, as well as artificial intelligence, growth hacking, and so forth. Um, so I think that technology is really the enabler that allows us to enjoy these lives that these lifestyles that we enjoy. I mean, you're in Barcelona, I'm here in Nepal, and. Um, yeah this would have never been possible like uh twenty twenty five years ago
1: yeah and to record a podcast i mean it's probably yeah I have to agree on you it's it would have been totally <laughs> impossible when uh, when I was younger and <laughs> you were younger the uh the and uh, you talked about the technology you're currently writing also a book about the a i how do you see the how do you see the kind of a i uh changing the world many people are talking about the end of the world, the machines are taking over, we <laughs> will be dumb and die and uh, they will kill us all. What's your take on the kind of <laughs> a- AI influence on the humankind? Well, if it's
0: going to be the end of the world, I probably won't care anyway because i will be dead. So, you know, death offers a sort of peace, I guess, <laughs> as I say, rest in peace. But I I, I prefer to think of it uh, positively and think about, um, you know how we can use AI and technology to create a lifestyle of freedom, uh, and abundance, and um, I think that any time that we're approaching something like this from a place of fear or even like a mild sense of terror, um, then we're kind of coming from the wrong place. And I, I really think that um, <clears throat> I think that what we get from AI is is kind of a reflection of what we have uh, in our own minds, you know, I mean, AI doesn't really have a will of its own. It basically manifests, well, not yet. Um, it basically does whatever you tell it to do. And, um, at this time, I think that it's kind of like the discovery of fire in a sense, like in terms of how important it is. Um, and we all understand that the implications are, are very large, but we haven't found all the practical applications for it. And so as a, a growth hacker and, uh, um, someone who's, Trying to innovate in this space. I mean, that's that's where I kind of tinker and try to find the the practical applications and so forth. And um, we teach this to people in our community. And I've always been a person that's very uh, methodical. I like to to create systems that are, you know, very that are proven um, and reliable. So um, that's that's what I try to teach people. Like try to teach people how to use the technology um, in a way that can transform their lives. Mm-hmm.
1: So today, there is still a strong human element, which is kind of, uh, I don't know, protecting us from the machines taking over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in a way, right? But at the same time, of course, you know, for the growth hacking community and the growth hacking world, of course, AI is a great enabler and uh, you know allows to cut the costs or the human factor in the processes to almost bare minimum?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And honestly, like sometimes I feel like the does the AI actually make life easier for people or does it make life harder? Because um, now, I mean, there's there's so much like AI content that you can create in like five seconds that it kind of raises the bar of it, you know, in terms of I've, I've always been the type of person that I want like, I want like a lifestyle business. I want my, my business to be like easy. I want it to be fun. I want it to be profitable. And so there's a sense of like business minimalism there. And anytime when I have to be doing too much, it's kind of like the kiss of death. You know, if I have to be publishing like five articles a day or something, that's a fantastic recipe for getting burnt out, even if you're using AI. Um, and and so when it comes to technology, I, I have, um, you know, virtual servers I run in the cloud. Uh, I like to set things up better, kind of set it and forget it in a sense
1: the um, yeah uh, AI is something which is of course puzzling me and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening also uh, and and of course the the key question related to nature back should be the, you know how can we use mm-hmm. AI to you know preserve this planet in a habitable form? Do you have any good tips?
0: Um. Yeah. Well, it's it's a really good question. Um, first of all, I want to say that you know I'm I'm here in Nepal for the second time, and um, I think that that you know people might say like Nepal is a poor country, right? But I think that people here know more about self-sustenance than we in developed countries ever would. Um, you know, they they if there was a zombie apocalypse or or if the grid was knocked off or something. Um, they would probably be able to survive a lot longer than those of us in in Europe or the United States, um, and and cash is basically just an extra bonus for them, basically. any cash they get from tourism, um, and so there's really a lot to be learned from, you know, embracing a simple lifestyle, a, a lifestyle close to nature. Um, for for me, that's absolutely critical. I I suffer if I'm in front of a screen for too long, and unfortunately, I, I am. Uh, as part of my work, I, I spend, and, I'm, and I'm trying to spend more time in nature. Um, but I think that in terms of AI, at least for, for human development and human growth, um, I think that it's kind of helpful when we kind of AI kind of like do the difficult tasks for us and allow us to, to become more human and to enjoy um, an abundance of time and, and a wealth of freedom
1: for the human for the humankind there are great potentials to have an impact um, thinking about the little bit wider the humans uh, relations to the planet uh and uh, the planet we have been destroying uh, with our how to say global lifestyle of uh e- economies or the global global economy economic growth uh, drives is there a way that we could somehow hack the uh hack the climate
0: hack the climate using AI?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, well, I, I'm sure... I'm just thinking out
1: loud here, of course, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm certain that there's a possibility. Um, I don't know if we've gotten there yet. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Peter DeMandis' work, right? Yeah. Um, he's He's got quite a bit to, to say about that, and, and there's certainly been some ideas being floated around out there. Um, I, I do think that it's a problem that artificial intelligence will be able to help us to solve. I I don't think that we're there yet, but I think that amazing things will come uh, by 23rd, 2040. So I I choose to be optimistic. Um, But I I have also learned from the last almost 15 years now that um, human beings, we don't really need a lot to to be happy and to enjoy our Mm -hmm. lives. And um, in places like this, like like Bhutan and Nepal and and Northern India, um, they kind of show us another way. You know, like Bhutan, they don't measure the gross domestic product, for example. Um, they measure the gross happiness uh, uh, product, I think it is, uh, or, or quotient. So, um, you know, happiness is, is can come from just embracing a lifestyle of one that's not based on perpetual economic growth. But, um, you know, here people live close to nature. Um, you know, you can walk 15, and you're swimming in a waterfall or you can go. 60 meters and swim the lake or whatever, um, and so people have really embrace that lifestyle
1: here. Yeah, it's uh, you know shocking for me that I couldn't reach you on LinkedIn because you were you know in the waterfall at the time. It's the uh, <laughs> challenges of the, the you know 21st century, uh, but but it it somehow nicely uh, puts a picture on the on the kind of uh, different uh, lifestyles of this world, and and also to, to that your comment about the. The, how, how these nations will be probably surviving longer in, this, in the case of our, apocalypse?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's nature as an antidote, and I try to make it a point to reconnect with nature every day, especially hmm. with the kind of work that I do. I, I kind of feel like it takes a little bit out of me, um, you know, to be working on the, yeah. the computer and to be coding, you know, for several hours or, um, you know, working on my website or whatever it happens to be. Um, I, I do feel like that's, that's not the natural state of things. I, I always try to get outside. I, um, I've, I've published a course called um, a Sleep Hacking Masterclass, and I've published a book called uh, Hack Sleep. And I learned a lot about the circadian rhythm, for example, and, and how um, important it is to be to outdoors and, and to synchronize your body clock and your circadian rhythm, um, you know, to get sunshine every day. And, and I think that that's kind of where human beings are meant to be. Uh, to be outdoors. And, and I try to do as much of my work outdoors as I can. Um, you know, when I'm writing, for example, I write books and courses and um, I'll just go out for a walk at the park or something and I'll, I'll transcribe everything on my phone. I, I don't like being in an office. I don't like being behind a desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that nature is something that heals us. And uh, it's, it's something that I feel more creative when I'm you know walking on the beach or, or walking in a forest and I feel more alive. Then,
1: then, then absolutely uh... <laughs> and, and, and and I think sleep hacking is quite a quite a quite a you know challenge for the for our generations and our, and our, and our our world uh, My best story about sleep hacking comes from maybe ten years ago or something like that when I was running a panel at the Finnish uh, health tech uh, annual event. And the panelists were all sleep specialists. There was a sleep technology guy. There was a sleep professor and somebody, the third person. And I started off the panel with a question, how many hours did you guys sleep last night? And the answers were you know, from five to six hours, I think. So I asked for the technician at the venue to switch off the lights and asked everybody to be quiet and we can solve the problem here together. Um, Unfortunately, they uh, didn't fall asleep and silence for very long, but at least we run the panel in the darkness so everybody could, you know, put their sleep, visualize their sleep challenges.
0: Yeah, I think it's a product of that monkey mind and, and high cortisol production. You know, we're chronically overstressed all the time. And that's really not how human beings are meant to be. You know, when, when we have cortisol being produced um, in our brain, um, it's meant to help us to solve a difficult task. Like if we're encountered by a wild animal or something to get out of that situation in you know, like 15, 20 minutes, and then go back to a normal state. And unfortunately, we're all like chronically overstressed where we're producing cortisol all of the time. Um, And, and so it's really not natural. It really takes a toll on people's performance and their ability to get proper relaxation.
1: I'm sure your book gives a lot of answers to that, but uh, can you give to our listeners a short uh, version of how to get rid of this extra production of uh, cortisol?
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, it's a, it's kind of a complex Topic, and I have to preface that I'm not. Um, but I do have a course called Hack Time where I, uh, in conjunction with sleep hacking, I try to help people to perform their best and to get more done to be 10 times more effective and efficient. And so the book uh, Birth of the Superhuman, which I'm launching soon, is kind of um, a holistic culmination of these different kinds of topics to help you perform better, um, to help you be happier, to, to be more efficient, more effective, and also improve your sleep. Um, and so cortisol um it's known as the stress hormone. And um, there are a lot of natural ways to counteract cortisol, um, you know, cold exposure, for example, taking an ice bath. That's that's one of the reasons why I go out and uh, swim in the river every day in the ice-cold water. It, it really helps to um, relax us. Uh, listening to relaxing music, singing songs, dancing. Actually, I have a whole list of um, things you can do to. But let me see if I can pull it up here. Give me a second.
1: We can add um, it to the. We can also add it to the show notes so when the episode is published. If you if you have published. Yeah, episode, I've got a whole uh,
0: list actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, It's it's for, like, leaders to perform their best. Okay, Okay, yeah, so it's a a blog post that I wrote, 14 strategies for leaders to cope in high-stress situations. Um, And all of these are designed to to help you to reduce cortisol, to perform better, to relax. Um, So there's a number of things, like, personal practices that I try to do every single day. I think that as an entrepreneur... Um, it's a very stressful environment that we're constantly exposing ourselves to, you know, like high risk, high stress, high pressure. Um, and so these are like a set of personal practices that I've tried to do every day because uh, um, as an entrepreneur, like I'm used to waking up and then, you know, getting the, an email that I don't want to get or or having something being rejected or having a customer cancel their contract or, or failing at something or the website is broken, you know, constant like bullets flying past your head. And so um, the first thing is I I try to get a lot of sunlight throughout the day. Like as soon as I wake up, um, sunlight produces serotonin. um, And I try to get a lot of sunlight during middle of the day, because that's when the sunlight is at the strongest. Um, I also try to get some kind of movement every day, some kind of exercise. Uh, Our bodies are built to move. And uh, our bodies and brains balance themselves through movement um, and it also helps to release a lot of stored tension um third i mentioned you know spend time close to nature appreciating the natural abundance uh fourth is breathing exercises so breathing exercises help you to stimulate your vagus nerve um sometimes i will do some squatting actually because uh that forces me to breathe into my gut and not through my shoulders and chest Um, To kind of purify my gut and detoxify, Um, I'll take long, deep breaths, holding for 20 seconds and slowly exhaling. Um, Every day I'll I'll do fasting, for example, Um, and and fasting really helps me to stay focused. So I probably usually don't eat until like one or two in the afternoon, um, and that helps me to to be a lot more focused in the mornings when I'm working. Um, Six, listening to the sound of birds singing helps to reduce stress. And you can even do this on YouTube, even if you're not in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, seven is walking barefoot in nature. You go to a field where you can walk on some grass, or if you're near the ocean, you can walk in the sand. Um, <laughs> eighth is, is try to limit or reduce exposure to whatever it is that's bringing you down. So if you're having a crisis with your website, try to focus on something else that you could do productively. <laughs> um, <anytime. Yeah. laughs> I, I speak from experience with that one. Um And and often we find ourselves in this loop where we get a trigger and it sets an impulse, um, that can constantly gets us down every time. so we have to reduce our exposure to the trigger. Um, nine, like disconnect, you know, reduce the time you spend on social media. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, I do that often on the weekends. Um, 10 is self-love. So I, you know, tell yourself that you love and accept yourself, um, even as imperfect as you are. Um, and, and maybe, you know, write down positive things about yourself that you can remind yourself about. Um, and 11, you know, write down I'm enough somewhere where you can see it and remind yourself of that often um, and remind yourself of, as a privilege and a joy to serve other people with your work, for example. Um, 12, uh, sit, listen to your favorite songs to sing to or to dance to or to both. Uh, 13, um, listening to guided meditations. So I, I noticed that when I um play like guided meditations on YouTube from like Paul McKenna or Marissa peer or identity Motivation uh in the mornings. I'll listen to that for about 30-45 minutes. I always have better days. So I have more productive days when I listen to those in the morning. Um, and there's a lot of free guided meditations on YouTube. And then 14, um have a good conversation with a friend or a like-minded positive person. Um, I notice that when I spend time around people I like who like me, it gives me this uh, new sense of energy. And um, I feel motivated again. So there's there's a the whole list. Um, I know it's a long answer. <laughs> so, sorry no, for
1: that. No worries at all. Uh, and uh, to all those points about the meditation and the breathing and the exercises, I mean, you are starting a yoga retreat now, right?
0: Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, I'm about to start a three-week yoga retreat next week. And I'll be doing yoga from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., uh, for three weeks, six days a week oh. here in Nepal. And um, the reason I had the idea for this was because I started hosting retreats for entrepreneurs and we've hosted uh, two in Greece in the last year. And so I'm, I'm planning to host more of these retreats kind of where people can come like remote workers and, and entrepreneurs um, and just kind of work and disconnect in a beautiful location in the Mediterranean. And so, um, I want to offer more, more programs and, and services to the people who come to these retreats. So, uh, I kind of got this idea to, to become, uh, to get yoga training certification as well. So, uh, to offer to our guests.
1: <laughs> impressive, impressive, uh, dedication. So, yeah, I, I mean,
0: I kind of want to teach people like this more simplified lifestyle, you know, where they, um, I, I, I knew I never wanted to be a part of the rat race. And so I want to help more people to get out of it as well.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I can totally agree with that. The challenge for us is, of course, <laughs> that we cannot publish the episode during the three weeks because you cannot share it to your social media while doing yoga. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I can share it i I will be free from uh, 7 p.m afterwards
1: so. you should, you should stay stay away from the social media right for the, uh, all the, for all the lessons sorry. you just shared but anyway from the reader's perspective we will add a link to the list of the if they forgot something about how to how to sleep better we'll add a list to the show notes we will add a list to your uh, kind of upcoming book when it's uh, when it's published, what are, and in addition to yoga retreat, what are the next uh, challenges on your, I mean, you probably wouldn't like to call them challenges, but the next great uh, things uh, which you're looking forward during the, you know, next half a year or a year.
0: Um, well, that's a good question. We, we plan on hosting more of these retreats and um, I kind of want to introduce people to, you know, this new way of lifestyle, this mm-hmm. new life. And yeah, um, you know, kind of help them to simplify their lives. Like we have these retreats uh, in Messinia and in the Peloponnese in Greece, and we have this big house. Uh, Next year, we'll have two houses with 11 bedrooms. And people can come there for a month or even two months and um, just work in a beautiful location. We have like a big balcony with a, a hammock and couches and um, a desk with like 12 chairs. So it's, it's a perfect place for people to just kind of come and, and disconnect and live close to the sea. And we got the mountains all around and uh, you, you know you can work as as much or as little as you want. Um, so I, I do want to host more of these retreats. And I also have uh, my site, schoolofgrowthhacking.com. We've been featured on uh, AppSumo. Uh, so I want to grow that as well and, and grow our community. We have about 2000 students now. Um, continue to serve that community. We also have uh, a number of uh, webinars that we do every month on topics like artificial intelligence and how you can use artificial intelligence to become more productive. Um, And then I also have this book launch. So I, one of my goals was always to have a, I probably have about 10 books that I've self published myself, but um, I wanted to have a a traditional publisher for one of my books. Uh, So that's the goal with this next one, the birth of the superhuman. And it's just basically helping people to unlock uh, a new level of performance and to create that freedom through this holistic system that I've developed that blends like proven practices, technologies, AI, and systems to unlock greater levels of creativity and productivity
1: and potential. Danny, as a digital nomad, do you actually have a home?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, I believe that Home is wherever you make it, and um, I think that anywhere it can be home. Um, I think that home is a place that that feels familiar to you, a feel, place that feels comfortable. And when I travel, I, I go to new places, and um, there's all this novelty, and it feels like life speeds up. It's so exciting, um, but it also strips away your comfort zone. And so I think that home is where where you feel like you can just relax, you can kind of lower the armor. Um, you you feel like you're in a comfort space, or you know, the people that you love around you. And so, anytime that you have those ingredients, I think that you have a good home. Mm.
1: Um, do do you think the uh, physic Does it do the digital nomads often have a physical home? Like I don't know, the house, apartment, uh, whatever, where they keep most of their belongings, or do people? you meet on your, uh, on your travels, actually, you know, live in the backpack?
0: <laughs> well, that's a good question. I, I know that a lot of, I, I personally, um, I have some things at my mom's house that I left there several years ago, like a surfboard and a bicycle. Um, but I think it's kind of like layers of an onion, you know, the more that mm-hmm. you travel, I mean, you shed, sh- you shed things that are not important to you anymore. And so you kind of, arrive at a place where you're at your core and you understand what your values are and what's, re- what really matters to you. And I think that especially in 2023 with all the technology and social media, like we're constantly inundated, you know, we're constantly mm-hmm. having our attention stripped away from us. We're focusing on things that are thousands of miles away. And I think that leads to a lot of that stress that you mentioned and a lot of unhappiness, a lack of focus and kind of a lethargy where we don't really feel like we have a purpose in and- life. And- I think that traveling, booking a one way ticket somewhere, you know, where you're kind of like reborn as a baby and you have to figure everything out all over again, um, you can really try to connect and understand what's really important to you.
1: Good stuff. Thanks, Danny, for this discussion and, you know, enjoy the yoga retreat. That sounds amazing. I'm sure many of our listeners will be also Googling how to find their few week uh, yoga retreats in uh, faraway locations.
0: Yeah, I would like to encourage more people to come to Nepal as well. It's a lovely mm. country. Uh, it's, it's raining quite hard today, but normally it's, it's really beautiful. I, I came here about three or four years ago and totally fell in love with the country. I was like, wow, I need to stay here longer. Uh, most people come here to do like trekking, like they want to go to Everest Base Camp or Annapurna. So they'll come for like seven days or 10 days. But I, I would really encourage people to stay longer. And this place really kind of grows on you. Um, you can kind of absorb the, the local culture and lifestyle. And it's also very inexpensive here. It's a great place to remote work, but there's not really a lot of remote workers here. So, um, you know, it's it's quite easy to live on, you know, $500, $600 a month here because it's so inexpensive. Yeah,
1: and from the climate perspective, of course, if you have to fly to Nepal to do a one-week uh, climbing exercise, it makes absolutely no <laughs> sense. Uh, go for longer.
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
1: good thanks
0: Um, danny
1: all right (laughs) thank you so much for having me bye-bye hi i'm mark and i'm peter we're the founders of electrocast media bringing you great podcasts like nightmare road stories tech talk revolution and bodacious minds electrocast networks include ruby for female empowerment the best business network and gpn for geopolitics we built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electric Cast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time.